Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Psalm 107, we're still on our series, fully equipped for what's ahead. What's ahead? Oh man, there's a lot ahead. The Bible tells us much of what is yet to come, much of what we will face and see, even in our lifetime. Realize that clearly that's not to scare us, that's to help us understand, as Scripture says, that we should be prepared. And God gave us everything we need to be prepared. The Word of God says, the fool sees trouble coming and does nothing to prepare for it. Don't be a fool. Realize that trouble's coming. Now, I'm not, t- I'm not prophesying bad things over you. I'm just telling you, the Bible's clear. In the last of the last days, things don't get brighter, they get darker. That just means those that are walking with God get brighter in the sense that they do shine brighter. They don't get darker. They don't get overtaken by darkness. Isaiah 60 is clear. If you will rise and shine, this darkness will not get on you. But it's coming. And it's honestly already here. The days aren't going to get brighter. They are going to get darker. If you get caught up with trying to live your life based on all that goes on in the natural, you're going to live a frustrated life. God never intended us to live from a natural perspective of life. God created us as spirit beings to live from a spiritual perspective of life. I love something Lester Summerall says about faith. Lester Summerall says, in a sense, walking by faith is like walking in a sixth sense. You have five natural senses. But faith causes you to see things your eyes naturally can't see. Faith causes you to sense and know things that your natural senses can't make you know. Faith causes you to hear things your natural ear can't hear. So faith is a powerful force, man. It's very clear. You can't please God without it. So what pleases God? You walk into what he has for your life. How do you do that? By faith. But you got to understand something about this God of ours. Realize he has provided a way for you to be prepared for what's coming. And a lot of Christians just aren't listening. I've seen this all my life. I've mentioned it multiple times. I'll say it again. Uh, Again, 33 years as a pastor, I've watched people come and go. You know, I think every time I think of that statement, I think of Dr. George Evans. (laughs) As we talked about last week. Pastors like driving a bus. People are going to get on. People are going to get off. You, son, keep driving the bus. I'm not responsible for keeping people on the bus. I can't make them stay. Not going to even try. But I guarantee you what, the one thing I've noted as Scripture reveals is we're going to talk about today and next Sunday for sure. Next two Sundays we'll be on this topic. As Scripture is noted very clearly, a lot of people come to Christianity. They start learning about the basic ways of God and they start working to apply those to their life. But you know the missing element? Relationship. Because their heart doesn't really long for God, their heart ultimately, as you find out, really longs for more of what they want. They don't see it that way. They don't see it that way. They see that they truly believe and quote unquote as they're living out their life that they're living for God. But lifestyles prove whether that's true or not. And the truth is if you don't develop an intimate relationship with God, guess what will happen? At some point, all of a sudden like the sow going back to the wallowing in the mire. You know what you'll do? You'll start drifting back to those old ways of living. And you know what you'll you'll sound like? You won't sound like you have because you'll tell everybody, I just don't believe that way anymore. Oh, wait a minute, but did the Bible change or did you? 
Because if it's an absolute, if it's black and white in the Bible, it might... Here's the thing about... The, here's what people don't understand about scriptures. If you try to live the Bible without an intimate relationship with God, you're going to really, you're going to really battle trying to do so. And at some point, you're going to walk away from that. And you're going to go back to doing what you've always done. Because you know who empowers you to live it? How could Paul literally be beaten with rods? How many of you have been beaten with rods? Raise your hand if you've been beaten with rods for preaching the gospel. Anybody here been beaten with rods? You haven't? How many of you have been beaten with a cat of nine tails, like stripes on your back? Anybody been beaten with? Anybody been locked up in a dungeon in stocks in the lower part of the dungeon where all the feces comes from all the homes and stuff up above and you're sitting in that stuff? Anybody been in any of that? Haven't been in any of that? Hmm. Yet Paul and Silas in the bottom of a dungeon did what? Whined and complained and groaned and moaned? What did they do? Some of you know. What did they do? Wow. And you think about the average thing that the Christian goes through that's tough or bad, and they ain't praising God. They're complaining. They're not happy. Things ain't going my way. Well, I'd say things probably weren't going Paul's way that day in the natural. But the truth is they were going God's way. He was doing what God told him to do. And that's why he could sit there in the midst of all of that and still praise his God. See, everybody loves the testimonies of seeing the after effect. But nobody wants to live out what Paul lived out to get there. Right? Yeah. See, you know the after story. The prison doors flew open. God set them free. But you know what? They didn't know that was going to happen. Paul probably thought, I'm going to die. Paul probably thought, this is it, man. No big deal. I just go to be with him. Praise God. Don't bother me. Amen. They just send me home, sinner. <laughs> That's right. Preaching better than your amen in this morning. Yeah. I'm here to challenge you today on what you really are passionate about. Yeah. What are you passionate about? Because yeah. if it ain't God, I'll tell you what's going to happen. You're going to drift back to the old you, if you haven't already. Yeah. And the problem is, you see, this is what people don't understand about God. God's never changed the plan. The plan's always been about relationship with him. And if a relationship is only on a Sunday morning and that's it, you don't ever come to any of the services, you don't ever chase after God during the week, you don't ever open your Bible on Monday, Tuesday, come on, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday to spend time with God. I don't have time. I'm too tired. I'm this, I'm that. I love something Dr. Summerall said. He said, all these people say they're too tired to do stuff is a lie. It's an absolute lie. So I'll prove it to you. So I was a little boy one time, about seven years old. My mama was a godly woman, loved the Lord, prayed for me. And I guarantee you what, she put up with a lot of stuff for my dad for a lot of years. My dad was not a godly man. But that woman kept living the Bible, kept praying, kept believing, kept fasting. And lo and behold, my dad got born again and started serving God. And I guarantee it wasn't easy to go through the years that she went through to see that happen. But I guarantee she was a true inspiration of faith in my life of somebody who trusted God. And I'll never forget, I had chores around the house to do. I come home one day, and I've been outside working, doing some stuff around the house I was supposed to do. I sat down, and my mama said, Lester, did you bring the firewood in, son, for the fire, for the, for the stove? No, mama, I forgot. Well, go get it. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired, mama. I've been doing all this other work today. I'm tired. I'm just tired. And she said, well, don't forget that firewood. She goes in the kitchen. And all of a sudden, about 10 minutes later, a little buddy of his knocks on the door. Lester, we're playing football. And energy sprang back into Lester's body. And Lester didn't tell his buddy, I'm tired. I'm just tired. I can't. You kidding me? He jumped off, took off. He said, we went and played for two hours, man. Nonstop. And I came back and sat back in the living room. And all of a sudden, Mama opened the door to the kitchen. Lester, 
Did you get that forward? Oh, mama, I'm tired. I'm just wore out. That's a lie. That's a lie. What you're passionate about, you'll never be tired chasing. You're tired because you think you are. You know why? Because you're not passionate about the right thing. Years ago, you know, when I, 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 I don't know why. I mean, I can't answer the question why I became a bull rider. 13 years old, I, I got on my first bull. I told my dad, you know, for years before that, we were team roping with my dad in junior rodeos. And I told my dad, I want to try bull riding. I want to try bull riding. Well, I don't know. It just looked like a cool thing to try to do, like a challenge or something to me. And so I said, I want to do that. And I'll never forget getting on the back of my first bull. My first bull, I lasted, you know, two seconds, maybe. Maybe a second and a half. I don't know. One turn out of the bucking sheet. One turn out of the bucking sheet, he slams me on my back. And as he slams me on my back and knocks all the air out of me, man, I can't hardly breathe. I thought I was going to die right there in that arena. I'm like, oh! Anybody ever lose your air? You know what that feels like? I mean, you, you think it's over right there, man. Oh! You can't even talk. And it's so funny how people think that they're actually, you know, somehow by trained medical physicians to come up, grab you, you know, have you ever, they grab you by the belt and they start yanking you up and down. They're just pulling more air out of you. <laughs> Thinking somehow they're going to get air into you. All of a sudden, my lungs filled back with air. And I got up and I looked at my dad and said, this is what I want to do. <laughs> I want to do this. I was so passionate about wanting to become a professional bull rider and a world champion bull rider. I went through the next five years, say five years. Uh, my story is going somewhere. I know some of you heard it. Don't get bored with me. I want to I make a major point today. I went for the next five years of my life to junior rodeos, a few amateurs, and I made one qualified ride. Say one. I made one qualified ride in five years. Now, you'd think somebody would probably you know, give up at that point to say, maybe I should do something else. My dad even told me at one time, he said, son, maybe you just ain't cut out to do this. Maybe you need to try something. No, I want to do this. And by the way, the one bull I rode, I was almost to fall off of him. He was just running down, you know, like, a, like we call them pups, you know. He just running down the pen like this, you know. Well, guess what I'm doing? I'm starting to slide off. Dun, 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 dun. And guess what he did? He jumped over and came underneath me and helped me out, picked me up. And the whistle blew and I jumped off. Woo! Finally made a qualified ride. Not because of me, because of him. He helped me out. But I'm going to tell you what, I got connected with the right people at the end of that five years who were passionate about the same thing, who knew what to do. And I got in relationship with them. Two years later, I'm the reserve champion for all of the amateurs in Arizona and New Mexico combined. Five years, one qualified ride. Two years later, reserve champion, meaning what? I barely, by, by one bull bucking off at the finals, I missed winning a be beautiful saddle Buckled to be the champion of all of Arizona and New Mexico and the amateurs. That's quite a change. I said, that's quite a change. A year later, I'm a professional cowboy. I have my card. I earned my card. I go to Lake Charles that year. First year on my card. I'm not bragging about me. I'm just trying to explain something. Y'all okay? First year I go to Lake Charles. My first year on my card, I go to Lake Charles. I drew a bull that I dreamed of getting on, a bull called Red Lightning. At that time, Red Lightning was the highest scored bull ever, uh, highest scored bull ride ever in the PRC was on a bull called Red Lightning. Denny Flynn had rode him. And here I got him at Lake Charles. Now listen, you gotta understand bull riders. If you truly, if you're passionate about it, I don't want to get on a pup bull. Every rodeo I went to, I want the baddest, meanest, best bucking bull they had. I'm going for first. I'm not there to make a qualified ride. I want to win. I'm there for first. That's, you gotta take that attitude. And I, I wanted to win. And when I drew that bull, I got so excited. I was like, man, are you kidding me? 
Praise God, I got this boy. I mean, I was so excited, man. And I wrote him. And I won Lake Charles, Louisiana. And I thought, man, I'm on my way. I'm on my way to being a world champion. I'm on my way to my career as a professional. God had other plans. God has a way of cutting in on your plans sometimes. Because it ain't always what he desires for your life. But you know what? After that, I met this beautiful gal in the front row when I came to Texas and we got married. And one day, I'm driving down the road and we're talking about a buddy of mine who got married. And after he got married, his wife did not want him riding bulls, so he quit. And we were, it just came up in conversation. She never, ever told me to stop. She never tried to get me to stop. All of a sudden, amidst that conversation, she's sitting there saying to me, you know, well, you know, it was kind of sad to see Jimmy Corder, however it went on. I don't know, you know, but yeah, he quit and all that. I turned her, I said, nobody's ever going to stop me from riding bulls. There you go. <laughs> just, so we're, just so we're clear on that. I was young. Some of you looking at me like, really, Pastor? You know, I mean, we're just newly married. I got home, but I'd started chasing God. And I got home, and when I got home, I was studying that day in my little, little separate little bedroom we had where I had a little desk up against one wall, and I could touch the other wall with my hand behind me. And I'm sitting there studying, and I heard these words from the Lord. What if I tell you to stop? Now, I didn't even have to think for a minute what he was referring to. I knew exactly what he was talking about. See, some of you haven't heard the other side, or as, as uh, what's his name? Uh, yeah. Carl, yeah, Paul Harvey. Here's the rest of the story to that. I haven't told you the rest of the story. The Lord said, I'm trying. <laughs> you know, Lord, I don't like this in front of everybody. <laughs> it's hard to not remember times when the presence of God shows up. <laughs> and he was in that room that day. What if I ask you? My heart broke. My heart broke. I said, I said, it's still my God, isn't it? Bull ride. It's still my God. I didn't realize it. I didn't realize it until he said that. I think a lot of Christians don't realize other things are their God and they don't even realize it. But I'll never forget that day. I'll never forget that day. And I started repenting. I started telling God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that I still put this before you. Well, you hadn't done that. Your words reveal who, what's really going on in your heart. How the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I knew right then and there, I, I knew bull riding was still my God. That I'd worshipped all these, quote unquote, previous 15 years of my life. And so then I sat there for a minute as I was repenting to God about him not being first in my life. And I just began to worship him, began to cry out to him. And the Lord said, what if you had that kind of, this is the other side of the story. What if you had that kind of passion for me? What if you chased me with that kind of passion? Any idea where you'd go? Any idea where your life could be? See, right now, I'd love to just dismiss y'all because he's all over me up here and I just, just sit down and fellowship with him. 
And I'm not against you. I just love being around him that much. And I said, Lord, you're right. Man, if I was as passionate about chasing after you, think about what all I went through. Five years, only one qualified ride. How long have you really been walking with God and not seen results? And you're going to quit? You're going to bail on the church? You're going to bail on God? The only reason you would is because you're not passionate about him. Quit saying you're too tired to go to church. Let's find something else you really love doing and see how tired you are. You still here? What are we talking about today, Pastor? We're talking about being prepared for what's ahead. Because what I'm going to talk about today is that if you are not truly passionate about God and wanting to walk with Him, all this is nothing more than religious exercise. And you won't be prepared for what's ahead. You know why we need to be close to Him? I'll tell you why. Because the Bible says it's under the shadow of the Almighty that we find refuge. Now, that shadow means I'm walking so close to him, I'm walking under his shadow. (laughs) Not only that, shelter. Not only that, I I think I call it a shadow because it's like walking in a shadow. Not only that, but guess what? I guarantee you what you need more than ever in the last days. You need more of his manifest presence. It's called the anointing. Isaiah 10, 27 says that anointing removes burdens and destroys yokes. Don't get mad at me. I'm not looking around and I'm not thinking of any individual. Okay, your pastors is up here obeying God, saying what God's telling me to say. I don't think of people when I do this. I just think of him. I'm going to tell you why a lot of you are still in bondage to a lot of stuff. You don't walk close with God. You can't walk close with God and not obviously get set free. That abundant life Kathy talked about, it's Zoe. See, a lot of people just think in their mind, one of the ways you can know kind of whether you're passionate about God or not is, is to whether or not when you think about abundant life, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? See, if it's more stuff, I'll tell you right now, you're not passionate about God. I'm going to tell you that. When you think of abundant life, let me tell you what I think about. More of God's presence in my life. That's abundant life. There's nothing better. Because the more you are aware of Him, the more you are aware of Him, what do you become aware of? Love. True love. Joy. Peace. You know, I was was in a situation here recently, and I thought about Lester Summerall. Lester Summerall goes to this meeting at a church. He's He's scheduled to be there two weeks. There's nowhere else in those two weeks he set those two weeks aside for these meetings. Within three days, the pastor comes to him. This is a lot of churches, sadly. Three days, the pastor comes to him and says, uh, Brother Sutton, we're going to have to shut the meeting down. I have no other meetings scheduled. Well, sorry, but we're going to have to shut the meeting down. Why? Head deacon don't like you. By the way, there are no head deacons in the Bible, and there are, there are going to be no head deacons in, in uh, heaven. No. Nor in the Bible do deacons run the church. No. It's not how God set it up. We have responsibility to be submitted to leadership. I have a pastor. I have spiritual fathers. But they're not in this church. Right. You listening? Yeah. Subjection is lateral. Submission is upward. Yeah. Right. And this head deacon said, uh, he said this, head deacon said, he don't like you. You're too confrontive. You're too direct. You're too straightforward. He don't like you. So he says, really? So he goes to his room that night. He tells the Lord. He said, okay, Lord, what am I going to do about this little deacon? Now his words. Ready? What am I going to do about this little pipsqueak so-called head deacon? That was Lester Summerall being honest. Because obviously he knows it ain't right. I mean, you know, all of us still have a human side. Amen? 
The Lord said, here's what you're going to do. First thing tomorrow when you walk in the building, because he actually had a few more days left before, obviously, he was going to shut the meeting down. First thing you do when you walk in the building tomorrow, you go straight to that head deacon. You hug him. You kiss him on the cheek. You tell him you love him. (laughs) No, Lord, I am not doing that. I am not doing that. No, I told you to do it. My love's in you. Go do it. He said, this guy literally drew a circle and put me on the outside of that circle. God taught me how to draw a circle of love and bring them on the inside of my circle. So I went up to that man the next day. Hi, brother. How you doing? He hugged him, kissed him. I love you. And he walked off. And the man just stood, stood there looking at him kind of stunned like, what in the world? <laughs> he gets back to his room that night. And he said, okay, Lord, I did what you said. Do it again tomorrow. A second time? Come on, I barely got through the first time doing it. I got to do it again, a second time. Yeah, I told you to do it. So he did it the second day. Second day, he said he saw me coming. He tried to get away from me. I cornered him, wouldn't let him get away. <laughs> Grabbed him, hugged him, said, I love you, brother. Gave him a kiss, walked off. I don't mean like on the lips, but I'm on the cheek. Walked off. He said, after that, he just looked stunned as I walked away, man. I preached that day. After that night, I go back to my room. I said, okay, Lord, I'm done. He said, nope, you're not. You're going to do it again tomorrow. I said, no, Lord, come on. He said, I told you to love him. So the third day, he walks in, and he said, this day, man, he's trying to hide from me. So I have to get around all these guys to get to him. And as he's about to duck out of the door, I grab him, and I hug him. I said, I love you, brother. And I kissed him on the cheek, and he backed up, and he said, well, uh, 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 I love you, too. And that night, they had a little fellowship at the pastor's house. And the pastor said to Dr. Summerall, he said, uh, Dr. Summerall, can you uh, stay through the rest of the next week? Well, planned on it. We kind of had these meetings set up, but a head deacon wanted to change that. Well, the head deacon has said that you're the best preacher he's ever heard in his life. He's never heard a guy who so more uh, inspires his life, inspires truth, uh, passionate about what he preaches, da, 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 da. We'd like you to stay on for another, another week. The Lord said, I told you, you'd win him by love. He didn't want to do it. That's my point. He didn't want to do it. See, your flesh won't want to do a lot of things God wants you to do. Your flesh would have rather slept in this morning. Your flesh will want to stay home tonight. Don't get mad at me. Don't throw nothing. Your flesh will want to stay away from the house of God, not get close to God. Your flesh don't want to open your Bible tomorrow and spend time with God. There's nothing good in your flesh that dwells. My flesh didn't want to ride bulls. You kidding? My flesh didn't like it. It was painful. My flesh didn't like not being able to breathe. Are you listening? There was nothing about my flesh that liked bull riding. I forced my body to do what, it wanted, what I wanted it to do. I forced my body. I forced my body to get on bulls when my body didn't want to get on bulls. My first year in the amateurs, when I wound up actually, no, excuse me. My second year in the amateurs after winning reserve champion, um, I, it was my last year in the amateur ranks. I apologize. Let me back up. I'll get it right. My first year in the PRCA going to the circuit finals. I'm so excited now. I'm going to my very first PRCA circuit finals. So I go, I, there was a place I went to every single week. It's called Skyline Ranch. I got buckles from there. I'll give them all, most of them away. I think I got one left. But it was a place you'd go ride bulls during the week. They'd have a buck out during Tuesdays and on Saturday nights. If I was at home and out at a rodeo somewhere, I was at Skyline Ranch on Tuesday or Saturday. Like you can find me at Cracker Barrel on Thursdays today. Back then, man. If it was a Tuesday or a Saturday and I was not out of town, I was at Skyline Ranch getting on a bull. I knew all those bulls and every one of them. I'd want every buckle they'd ever given out there. 
And I go there the, the, the week before my finals, and I wind up getting hung up on a bull. And this bull steps on me. He literally busts a rib, breaks it, and cracks two more. And when he broke my rib, it actually went inward, and it punctured my left lung, and my left lung deflated. And they rushed me to the hospital. And they told me at the hospital, they said, now, if your lung doesn't reinflate, I have a point to my story. I'm serious. If, you, if your lung doesn't reinflate, we'll have to run a tube down you. Oh, this is fun. My flesh is going, yeah, let's get the tube. My flesh doesn't like anything about what's going on. But my flesh don't have a choice. My flesh doesn't have a choice. It's going to do what I tell it to do. So can yours for God. <laughs> so can you sing praises to God in the midst of a dungeon? Locked in stocks. Not because your flesh wants to. It wasn't anything about Paul's flesh wanting to worship God. So here... Thankfully, my lung opened. Didn't have to have the tube run down me. But guess what that weekend was? My first turquoise circuit finals. You know what the doctor said? Don't even think about going. He said, if you actually get hit on that side of your body or even hit wrong or hit hard, he said, you could literally cause that, that rib to go back in and sever that, that, uh, that or tear a, a hole in the sack of your lung. So you can't do it. Guess where I was next weekend? Getting on three bulls at my first finals. <laughs> You can make your body do all kinds of stuff it don't want to do. But too many of us are too fleshly ruled. You know why? We're not passionate enough about Jesus. You know why Paul and Silas sang praises? Because in Philippians 4, Paul said, My passion, my desire is one thing, that I might know him. That's all I want to do. That's all I want to do. I just want to know him. Psalm 107. I'm not trying to beat you down. I'm trying to, I'm trying to explain the one of the most important things about your life that a lot of Christians don't realize they're not walking in the light of. And without this relationship, I'm, I didn't finish it earlier. Without this relationship with God, you're going you're to drift back to your old ways. Slowly but steadily, you'll drift back to your old ways of living. And you'll actually now make excuses. You know one of the signs you're not passionate about God? You're now taking scripture to twist it to make it fit what you want it to say for your life. I've been accused of a lot of stuff, and I still will be. Because preaching the truth, man, you get a lot, of, a lot of accusations about a lot of stuff. But the fact is, the Bible doesn't change. You can claim I've given you bad doctrine because now you don't want to live that way, and it's too hard to do it. I'll tell you why it's hard for you to do it, because you never knew Jesus to begin with. There's only one way you can live out what Scripture teaches like Paul did. You know what it is? Passion for him. There's only one thing that drove me for all those years to get on another bull and another bull. I can't tell you all the times I got uninjured. It's part of life. You don't get paid unless you actually get a paycheck by going after competing and winning. And you have to pay something to go to begin with. And that's something. Nobody even paid us to be there. You pay an entry fee. Pay your gas to get there. And there's no guarantee you'll get a thing. I can't tell you how many times I got on with broken bones, uh, pulled ribs, or excuse me, pulled muscles, uh, torn ligaments. Didn't matter. Tape it up. Do something to it. Just get on another bull. Why can we not do this for Jesus? He's the greatest thing to live for. Yes. Yes. There's no better better to know. But I'm going to tell you right now, without a passion for him, you won't know him. You won't know him. It's called a spiritual law. Everything in the kingdom is reciprocal. Everything. All through the Bible is proven. You have to draw near to him. If you do, he will draw near to you. What if I don't draw near to him? He'll stand back. 
You'll stand back. Psalm 107. I am going to read verses today, I promise. Psalm 107, verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is what? Circle, highlight, make a note of, point arrows to the fact that the very last part of that first part of the verse says he is what again? Don't forget it. What is God? So when we think of good, you know, we just think of everything that's wonderful and nice and the way I want it. No, no. Sometimes God, in relationship to how good he is and what he has that's good for you, you're not going to like. But it's good. He's always good. So what that means is, is it doesn't matter what you think about God's way of doing things. Guess what? It's good. Your way won't always think so. Your mind won't always think so. But you know what God knows? It's good. Watch this. For his mercy endures for what? Aren't you glad? I said, aren't you glad? See, if you understand the context of mercy, you ought to be really excited about that statement. What's mercy mean? I ain't going to get what I deserve. How long does his mercy last? Forever. Verse 2. Let the redeemed of the Lord. Let the redeemed of the Lord. Whom he, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. You know, along with what Kathy said last Sunday and kind of combining with what she said this Sunday about using the word. Why are a lot of people not walking in the redemption? They're not saying so. They're not saying they're redeemed. Now see, you can get in confession. Okay, I got to speak the word without a passion for God. You're going through religious exercise. There's no faith release. Got to come from the heart. Verse 3. And notice this. He gathered us. Out of the lands from the east, from the west, from the north, from the south. For they wandered in the context of the wilderness in a desolate way. The children of Israel, we did in sin. And that's what was represented to us here. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Verse 6, then they did what? Cried out to the Lord in their trouble. In our day, we'd say cried out to the Lord in our sin. What did he do? What did he do for me and you? He delivered us. He delivered us out of our distresses, out of our sin, out of the punishment our sin deserved. Seven, he led them forth by the right way. Underline it. He led them forth by the right way. Guess what God wants to do for you going forward in the last days? He wants to lead you by the right way. But I'm going to tell you something right now, folks. The right way ain't your way. Many plans in a man's heart. But it's the Lord's counsel. That's the right way. That's what will stand. Notice, why did he do that? That they might go to a city for a dwelling place. For me and you, that's to enter into our covenant place as a child of God and under the New Testament. Listen to verse 8. Oh, that man would give thanks to the Lord for his... Why? Because he's good. Oh, that man would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of what? Well, why do people not do that when they're locked in their prison? Because they haven't been walking with him to see how good he is. When you walk with God, close with God, guess what you find out? This is one good God. This is one really good God. Nine. Notice. For he satisfies the longing soul. And he fills the hungry soul with goodness. Number eight on our list of things we're talking about to help you be fully equipped for what's ahead, you've got to stay hungry for God. You can't just get hungry for God. You've got to stay hungry for God. If you want to be prepared for what's ahead. If you're hungry for God, I'm going to show you in a minute, guess what you're full of? Him. 
If you're not full of God today, overflowing in your life, I'm going to tell you why. Because you're not passionate about him. So we could say hunger. We could say passion. I was passionate about wanting to make a, make a stand as a bull rider, be a world champion. I was passionate about it. Hungry for it. How hungry are you for God? How passionate are you for God? Are you so passionate that you tell your body, shut up, body, we're going to church. I don't care how tired you are. Shut up, body. We're not going to sleep. We're going to fellowship with God right now. Now, don't try to fellowship with God if your body's already tired and sit down because your body's going to go to sleep on you. <laughs> Get up and walk around and praise the Lord. Preaching better than you, amen. Notice this, verse 9. He satisfies. Say satisfies. So the word here refers to an overflowing, not just a filling to the full. It actually refers to an overflowing, but it's based on the condition of the longing of the person seeking it. So it's a satisfying or an overflowing of something he's promising here, but it only comes to those with a longing soul. That word longing is quite interesting because it does mean thirsty, but guess what else it means? The Hebrew says it means to charge forth. To charge forth. Who does he overflow, as you're about to see in a minute, with all of him? Those who are charging after him. That's what this means. He satisfies the longing soul. In other words, the talking relationship to your soul, mind, will, and emotions. Your, mind, your soul, which is involving both mind, both will, and emotions, will determine what you do with your life. Not your spirit. Your, spirit will your soul will determine whether your spirit becomes the dominant person in your life or not. Because your soul is the will. It's the, it's the chooser. It's the decision maker. And if your soul is not doing what? If it's not longing for him, you're not going to be full of him. What does he do? Satisfies. In other words, he overflows those who choose to actually do what? To actually charge forth chasing after him with a passion and a thirst. I can't get enough. It's like you're trying to satisfy, like being out in the desert and you're so thirsty, no matter how much water you drink, you just can't seem to satisfy yourself. That's what you need in a chase for God. And no matter how much I get of him, it's not enough. I want more. That's a key phrase here. Because a lot of Christians, they kind of get satisfied with one little experience, one little goosebump, one little situation. Well, praise the Lord, I've sensed God's presence before. And off they go, living for themselves again. See, a person who truly, honestly, without a doubt, 100% is passionate about God, is they're never satisfied in their relationship with God. They want more. They want more. And the cool part about God is, you'll never get tired of being filled up with God to the degree that you're so saturated with Him that you don't want more. You'll always want more. Amen. He'll always leave you for longing for more. Amen. He fills the hungry soul with what? Goodness. So he fills. The word fills again here is similar to the word satisfy. And it just simply means again overflowing. So he fills the hungry soul, the soul that's hungry. What's your soul hungry for? You thinking about lunch right now, or are you thinking about more God? Are you thinking about getting out of here? When's he going to get done so we can leave? If you are, I'll promise you this, you're not going to have what you need for what's ahead. Because you're not going to be full of him. God fills nobody that doesn't chase after him. He can't. It's a spiritual law. 
It's reciprocal. He can't fill anybody that doesn't chase after him. But you put a draw on God, oh man, he'll start filling you more and more and more and more and more with him. Now, if you get full of him, what is God? Well, he's love. So what are you going to be full of? Love. Let's just go hug that man and kiss him. I don't want to. What part of you don't want to? The flesh of you don't want to. But you know what the spirit man, Lester Sumrall said? Because he was full of God, I'll obey you, God. I'll go do it. See, the obedience isn't I have to do it, I want to. Because I love him. So again, notice this. He fills the hungry soul with what? What is he filling with? Tell me out loud, please. Tell me out loud, please. He fills the hungry soul with goodness or that which is good. Back to verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is... What does he fill you with? Himself. Himself. That's what it's all about. Being so full of God. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Doesn't mean you don't have responsibilities. Doesn't mean you don't do things. But you're not doing them alone anymore. You start talking about hunger for God like I am, passion for God like I am, man, he starts filling you. And I don't care where you are today, I'm being filled. I care, but I'm just telling you, it's all based on your hunger level, not mine. He can't fill you based on mine. You listening? Sometimes you could be in a service, get a little overspill of a little bit of a flow of obviously God's presence in a service with other people there, but it's not filling you up. I like, what a, I like what one of the, the professors of Asbury said in an interview. Would you call this a revival? No. I call it an infilling. I call, excuse me, I'm sorry, let me, let me quote him. I call it an outpouring. Because it wasn't like tons of people getting saved. But it was God's presence being poured out upon these young people, and they're repenting, man. They're coming to the altars, and they're getting their lives right with God. Already born again. They just wanted more. Amen? Amen. To the degree they wouldn't leave for hours. Hours and hours and hours. Do we have to go to Asbury to get that? Nope. You can get it tonight in your home. You can get it today in church. It's up to you. What started Asbury Revival? One young man. There was a message given about how these young people had truly, in many ways, not been serious about their walk with God, serious in their walk with God, committed to know God, etc., etc., the minister who gave the message says, I didn't think it was that great of a message. It's not about the message. It's about the response of the people. And one young man, he said, I'm going to give you an opportunity today to repent. If God's not, if God's not your priority, if you're truly not walking close with God, I'm going to give you a chance to repent today. One young man came to the altar immediately, began to cry out to God. It wasn't led, just began to cry to God. God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I've put my social media before you. I look at my phone all the time in church. I'm so sorry that I do this, I do that. I put you off. I don't ever spend time with you. I don't ever do these things. And I'm just telling you, I'm sorry. I want more of you. And God showed up. And youth after youth after youth came to that altar and started repenting. And God showed up. I don't believe God meant for Asbury to be something from everybody else from the world to go and to visit, and that's the reason they shut it down. And I think these leaders did a pretty smart job of, of doing the best to manage. Over 100,000 people wound up coming through there. 100,000. But they realized this was God doing something for our youth in our college. We take nothing away from the people that got touched that came. No, we want everybody 
to be touched. But this was something God did for our youth. They needed it. Our generation of young people need it. Amen? Who's he going to fill with himself? The hungry. How hungry are you today? How hungry are you for God? Go to Psalm 34. Psalm 34. Because you know what God wants? You ready? You ready? You know what God wants? I got about four of you hooked up. You know what God wants? Are you ready? I'll tell you what God wants. He wants you full of him. He wants you so full of him that you walk through every day filled with his love, filled with his joy, filled with his peace, filled with his goodness, filled with his meekness, filled with his faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. See, think about it. Think of all of those fruits of the Spirit that are God that you have in your spirit. And when you fellowship, with, with your, when you fellowship your spirit with God's spirit, they come on you. Guess what you're prepared for? What's ahead? Because what com- what's coming ahead is going to try to get you to do what? To turn away from God. But you know what self-control won't let you do? won't let you do that. You listening? Self-control won't let you do that. See, the control of myself that did not want to get on another bull in pain made me go beyond the pain and say, you're getting on that bull. It's amazing how much you can overcome by just passion in your life. For something. And I'm going to tell you right, I'm going to tell you right now, man, there should be one passion in your life, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen. You know why? He is a jealous God. <clears throat> he says so. What does that mean? He ain't going to share you with anybody else. <laughs> he ain't going to share you with anything else. He's not going to fill you because you're chasing your dreams and him at the same time. You know what the Bible calls that? Love for the world and love for the Father. And you can't have both. Can't be passionate about the Father and passionate about things of the world. You're preaching good today, Pastor. You're helping me. Psalm 34, 8. Here's the reason why a lot of people don't chase him. Look at verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know what they haven't done? They haven't tasted him yet. Haven't experienced him yet. I'll never forget my first encounter with God. I shouldn't even bring him up. Many of you heard about it. I was in an auction barn. Auction barn? Yep. We were having church in an auction barn, Fort Worth, Texas. It's now the studios of the Cowboy Channel. <clears throat> but then it was still an auction barn. <clears throat> Every weekend, other than the Sunday mornings, we were there. They were, they were selling animals. And it was a flea-ridden auction barn. People sit today in church too hot, too cold. You'd have never gone to church with me. <clears throat> Because that auction barn was hot all the time in the summer, cold all the time in the winter, and filled with uh, fleas during the summertime from all the animals. We didn't care. We weren't there for the fleas. We weren't there to please us. I'll never forget on a Sunday morning in the midst of a time of worship that I was so desperate at that point in my life to want to know God, I said, God, I want to know you in the worst way. And I lifted my hands and I started worshiping as loud as I could. I didn't care who heard me. I didn't care who was around me. I wasn't singing to any of them. For one of the first times in my life, <clears throat> I wasn't just singing along with Mitch. I was singing to God. It was just like me and him in the room, nobody else. <clears throat> and I was singing to God. And I lost track of anybody else in the room. You can say what you want. I experienced it. It wasn't some emotional thing. Actually, I wasn't even crying at the time. It didn't even affect me emotionally. But boy, it sure changed my life, marked my life. Presence of God came down over me. It was like just me and him in the room, nobody else there. 
And I felt this warmth start right in the middle of my chest like a little spot, and it just began to grow out. And when I say warmth, it's so hard to try to explain the presence of God. I, I don't know how you do it. <clears throat> you really can't because it's not something natural. It's spiritual. So the best way I can describe it, I don't know. It's like a warm honey, warm something that just begins to, and it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And man, I knew at that moment, <clears throat> I don't understand all this. I'm young in the Lord. I just know this. I'm, I'm not aware of anybody else singing. I'm not, I can't see it. My eyes are open, looking up, but I see nothing. It's just like I'm totally blind and oblivious to everything else. I don't see Jesus. I don't see him. But what I do see is like this, this total, I don't know really what it was, honestly. A uh, cloud around me or something, but I knew this. I'm standing with God right here in my presence. And the Lord said right in the midst of that, he, he said, son, that's just my finger touching you. Imagine what it's like to be wrapped in my arms. And I stood there, man, for, it seemed like a long time to me. But I stood there and I cried out to God. I said, I just want to stay right here till the rapture. <laughs> Can we just do this right here? Not practical. But, you know, you just, you get in the, God, the presence of God like that, you don't want to leave. I'm like, God, I just want to. Can I just stand here and enjoy this? And to me, it seemed like 20, 30 minutes. But as it slowly waned and went away, and I'm still singing, guess what? All of a sudden, I notice everybody else around me, they're still singing the same song. <clears throat> There's no time or distance in the spirit realm. It's hard to understand. And so I came out of that, man. I was so grateful <clears throat> that God would actually reveal himself to me in such a way. And I've never forgot it. And folks, I'm going to keep chasing him all the days of my life, whether anybody else does or not. Because like Paul, I don't have enough yet. Matter of fact, the church as a whole has been in a drought. You know why? We've drifted back to old ways, old passions, old desires. But you know what God's wanting in the last days? He wants you to be, he wants you to be prepared for what's ahead. How are you going to do that? Get full of him. Guess what happened that day? Psalm 34, 8. I tasted and I saw that the Lord was good. And my quest and my chase for him has never stopped. Wish he would do that for me. He'd do it for you. If you did what I did that day. Because all I did is hunger for him. I didn't know that was going to happen. I, didn't, I wasn't like, I wanted an encounter with you. I, I, would just, I, I said, you know what? I'm tired of just standing here to sing to sing. I'm going to praise God. I'm just going to sing to God today. And that's what I did. Blessed is the man who what? Trust in him, verse 8 says. Oh, fear the Lord. Do what again? Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. So what fear mean? I defined it for you as we got started this morning. Fear means I so reverence, I so stand in awe. Why? Because I've tasted him. I so stand in awe of how good he is that I shudder at the thought that I would ever be separated from his presence. That's the fear of the Lord. Amen. Notice, oh, 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 fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. Do you hear that? <laughs> you didn't hear it. There is no want to those who fear him. The word want means you lack nothing. Why? Because you got him. You got all of him. Ten, the young lions, they lack and they suffer hunger. I'm talking about in the sense of the natural. But those who seek the Lord, those who seek the Lord, those who seek the Lord, what are you seeking? 
Seriously. And I'll tell you, it's easy to think you're seeking God like I was. If you'd have asked me before that day in that room, when I sat at that table and I heard God, I, I heard him, I, I sensed his presence come into that room and I started tearing up and I just thought it was going to like be a sweet time of fellowship. And then he says, <clears throat> what if I ask you to quit? I want to tell you something, man. I knew at that moment, I thought that I truly had you as the passion of my life, but you're, but you're not. But I, you're, you're going to be. I'll tell you another part of that story. I told the Lord, I said, okay, Lord, you know what? I now know that I'm not chasing totally after you 100% like I should be. I know that bull riding is still a God of mine. But you know what? I'm going to change that. That's going to change. Starting today, I repent, first of all, and that's going to change. Kathy can tell you what happened after that. Because what happened after that, everything that I had to do that associated with bull riding, I started giving it away. Every buckle I had, every picture I had, every award I ever had. You know why? Because I didn't want that. I wanted God. And I want anything to be tied to me, to associate to me, as something that I was chasing after in place of God. I wanted to lay all that down at the altar and say, that's no longer my God. You and you alone. You're my passionate pursuit from now on. And I'm going to tell you what, you can drift from it. Again, notice this, verse 9. Oh, fear the Lord, you, you his saints, because there is no what? No want to those who fear him. Young lions, though, they suffer. They suffer hunger, meaning what? They're not being full, filled. They're not hungering for the right thing. But those who seek the Lord shall not what? Tell me, please, out loud. Tell me out loud. Now, I want you to get this. You ready for this? Psalm 107, 1 said, the Lord is what? What is he? Watch this. The young lions suffer. The young lions like and suffer hunger. But those who seek the Lord, notice the word thing is italicized. wasn't in the original language. Those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good. You know what that means? They'll lack nothing. They'll lack none of God. They'll be so full of God. I really thought you'd be a little more enthusiastic about this message today. Honestly. But I'm just telling you, the reason that we lack... All that's God is because we don't seek Him like we should. How do I know, Pastor, if I am not seeking God like I should? You're not full of Him. I mean overflowing. Who does He overflow Himself with? Those who hunger. Those who seek. Those who thirst. Those who chase after God. God loves to be chased. But He also loves to be caught. Thus saith the Scriptures. So young lions grow tired and hungry. Why? Because young lions have their focus on other things. Now, a lot of older people still are, are living like young lions. Because you know young lions, right? Talking about just the aspect of the actual lions he's referring to. There's a story behind that. But just refer to young people because he's certainly not trying to get focused on filling lions with his presence. He wants us full. What's he referring to? You know, like young people. Young people think they know it all. You know one of the ways you know you're not seeking God anymore? You can't be taught anymore. If you're not hungry for God, you think you got it all figured out. Wish I had about another three hours. I'm going to have to probably do this maybe three services, not two. I was hoping to do this today and next Sunday. But you got to understand this. God says clearly you shall not lack any of Him. Good. You won't lack a thing in relationship to God if you do what? If you seek Him. If you seek Him. Go to Luke, chapter 1. Luke, chapter 1. Well, you're kind of convicting me, Pastor. No, wrong. 
If you're being convicted, that's good. But that's your heart. Saying, I do need to fix this. I do need to correct it. Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1 down here in the Song of Mary. In this, in this Song of Mary, she actually comes up with an Old Testament quote in her song. That actually is referred to here in the Song of Mary in verse 53. Look at verse 53. He, God, has filled what? The hunger with what? So here we are quoting the very context of what we just read in the Psalms. He fills the hungry with what again? Now notice the word things there is not italicized, but you know what? If you look up the Greek language here, it's not there. It's not there. How do you know? Because you can go to a Strong's or in the context like a Bible program, you can click on every word that's actually in the Greek and it'll give you a definition. You try to click on the word things, there's no definition. You know why? It's not there. I crossed it out in my Bible. Because he said he fills the hungry with what? Himself. Good. Notice this though. The rich he has done what? What has he done for the rich? What has he done to the rich? They go away empty. You know what that means? Not full. Not filled with him. Is this just rich in money? No. No, go, go to Revelation. I got to close. Wish I had more time, Lord. Revelation. We are. I'm coming back. Yep. Chapter 3. Who does he fill? The hungry. Who's the hungry? They want more. You know, I'll give you one of the reasons why, as we're about to read in closing, I'll give you one of the reasons why Christians aren't hungry for, for God. So, when you was a kid growing up, anybody just live outside as kids, playing as a kid growing up? Besides me? There were no cell phones. I almost wish we didn't have them. Honestly. So many times, I just, I'm so close to ditching my cell phone every day. Just don't even want it. Don't even want it. But I use it as a tool to share the gospel. I use it as a tool to be able to share my, my blogs and stuff every single day on different sites and all that. I could do it on a computer, just more convenient to have it on the phone right there to do it when I need to do it. I have that tool to be able to answer people's questions. I have that tool to respond when people need help. But you know, isn't it interesting we didn't have them when we survived when we just had a phone on the wall? Even before the actual recorders came on. Man, if you had a recorder in your house, you were big time. You kidding me? If you had a recorder that actually recorded somebody's message that you missed their, you missed their call, that was big time, man. That was big time. Everybody remember what happened in the house when the phone rang? Everybody ran for it. But what's amazing today is with cell phones, people text you and call you. They don't do it one time. We've been so conditioned to love this world and the things of this world that we want what we want, and we want it now. Love is patient. 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 People aren't patient today. They'll text me if I don't answer within five minutes. Do you get my text? I've had people call me. I'm in the middle of my quiet time with God. I'm not answering your call. Might be an emergency. Call on God like I do. I'm not interrupt my. I'm not being mean. I'm not. God knows where you're at. He knows what your situation is. I'm not your. I'm not your savior. He is. I'll do everything I can to help you. But seriously, man, I mean, you think you got to answer a call every single time you call? 
But I've had people literally call me once, and I've, let, I've sent it to voicemail, and I go on in my, you know, my time with the Lord, and, and the same person calls right back. I sent them to voicemail again. I've had people do it three times. And then to finally leave me a message. Hey, when you get a man, if you're good, could you call me? Why do we do this? If you're full of him, you don't need to get to me. See, I'm not here to get you dependent on me. I'm here to get you dependent on him. If you're, if you're full of him, you got everything you need. Oh, I don't need a pastor anymore. Oh, no, you still need to be taught the word of God because you need to be reminded to get back to God. So who does he send away? He sends away the rich. So when I was a kid growing up, we had none of that. None of that. Man, we survived drinking out of the water hose straight off the house. We're still alive. We survived making choppers out of regular bikes. Anybody ever do that? Man, we'd go find an old bike, cut the forks off of the other bike, take that wheel off. You could slip those forks on the end of that bike, man, and put that wheel down there. Boy, you'd have a chopper-style bike, man. And I remember the first time I got mine done, and I was driving down the road, and I hit a bump. Didn't realize how easy that thing would flip over now that that thing was up like that. And I was on an asphalt road, and I flipped over, and I got rocks all buried into my arms and all in my... And my mom took, picked rocks out for about an hour. Stay off that bike. Guess, what I was, guess where I was right after she got the rocks picked out. I was back there on that bike. But you know one thing mom always told us when we went out to play? Now don't you go, go, go and eat a bunch of junk. Don't you be over there at Billy's house eating all the popcorn, eating all the popsicles. Because when dinner comes, you won't be. You know why most Christians aren't hungry for God today? They're full of themselves. They're full of other things. That's why. If you fill up on the world stuff, I guarantee you, it's sad to me to watch Christians can't even make, a, make it through a service without looking at their phone. If you're filled up with the world stuff, you're not going to get full of God because you're already full. So if you go eat the junk and you come home, mom says, guess what? Dinner's ready. What do you say? Oh, sorry, mom. Not hungry. Why? You already filled up on other stuff. I better get off this message, man. Some of you are just looking at me like, wow, did he really show up to preach to us today? Revelation chapter 3. So he sends the rich away what? Empty. Who's the rich? 3.14. Angel of the church of Laodiceans write, Therefore says the Amen, the faithful true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold nor hot. So because you are lukewarm. Why would you be lukewarm as a believer? You're not chasing God. I think of God a lot of times when he shows up in my life, a lot of times when I sense his presence, not a feeling in my body, not a feeling in my flesh, because I know it's coming out of my spirit, but I, it's like a warmth. It's like a powerful warmth. Notice he said, because you're lukewarm, not hot. And it ain't a lukewarm feeling, it's a hot feeling. Notice this, you're neither cold nor hot. What will I do? Vomit you out of my mouth. You know what that means? It's not going to fill you up in this case. Why? Because you say. What did they say? I'm rich. Become wealthy. I've needed nothing. And you don't know that you're wretched. You don't know. You don't even know that you're wretched, miserable, blind, and naked. You know what the sad part is for a lot of Christians? They're the same way. They think they're fine with God. They got everything they need. I'm good. Not like they might not need more stuff. When, he, when they said they're rich, they're not saying necessarily they had all the money they needed. They're just saying, we don't need more of God. We got, we, we're good. We're good. Can I say it to you another way? We got all the God we want. 
He's showing up at your door and you're telling him, got all I got I need, got all I got I want. And you think you're really living a good life and don't even know that you're wretched, miserable, and poor. What does he do to the rich? Those who think they got it all, those who think they got everything they need of God, he has to send them away. Why? Spiritual law. I'll prove it to you. James chapter 4. We'll come back next Sunday and go back into this. James chapter 4. I don't know. I might even do it Wednesday. We'll see how God wants me to deal with this. I'm just trying to help you today. James chapter 4. If you're so full of God, I guarantee you what, man, you got everything you need. If he's overflowing your life, man, you're walking in the reality of his presence every day. That's a good place to be. I said, that's a good place to be. You know, you know what you need? An awareness of in the midst of all the battles and storms when they come? God's right here. So you shouldn't have to be reminded of that. I said, you shouldn't have to be reminded of that. It's good when people say, well, you know, God said I'd never leave you nor forsake you. But you know what? You should know that. You shouldn't have to be told that. If you're full of God, guess what you know? He's right here. Come on, devil. You want to throw your best shot? Go for it. I walk with God. God doesn't lose. God's never lost a battle yet. As long as I'm walking with him, he ain't going to lose a battle today. Because it ain't me that's battling. Come on. My strength's in him, not me. My ability's in him, not me. James chapter 4. Verse 8, we'll come back to some of these other verses up above in chapter 4. You ought to read James chapter 4 this week. Wished I had time. Verse 4 talks about you're a, you adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? If I'm a friend of the world, what does that mean? You're opposed to God. How many Christians are friends of the world? How do we know? Look at the way they act. Look at the way they dress. Look at the things they say. Look at the things they do. Because who you're a close friend with, you become like. I mean, you want more God. Verse 8, draw near to him. It's an absolute. It doesn't work the other way around. You draw near to God and he will do what? He will do what? What will he do? Tell me out loud. How close is God to you today? He's as close as you are to him. Just how God works. That's the way God set it up. Why? He's a gentleman. He won't force himself on anybody. Ever, never, ever. It's amazing because even in Asbury, there were people that went to that revival, outpouring, whatever you want to call it. I saw a couple little videos. People say, well, you know, I went in. It was nice. It was sweet. They were singing wonderful songs and talking about the Lord and all that, but I didn't experience anything and walked out. I'm going to tell you why. They didn't draw near to God because there were thousands that did. There's all kinds of testimonies of people whom God totally changed their life in the time that they were there. Why? They drew near. So you can be right in the midst of a place where his presence is filling the place and still not experience it. Why? You're not drawn near. He's not going to force himself on anybody. God ain't that kind of guy. The devil is, but God ain't. Hey, can I help you? If you truly are seeking for the Lord, guess what? You're going to be full of him. If you're hungry for God and nothing else, you're going to be full of him. If you're full of him, you're going to be happy every day. 
Some of you are looking really sad today. You're going to be happy every day. You're going to be full of joy. You're going to be full of love. Come on. You're going to be full of peace. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.